Unless You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Ah, back for our 100th <laughs> episode. Yes. I know. I've been saying this so much, but I still have to look at it to make sure I say it right. So I'm a poser. <laughs> Two years, and honestly, we have. I feel like we've done such a good job of staying on top of everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of this time, we've had two episodes every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? It's like 104 weeks, maybe a little more than that, that we've actually had, and we've had 100 episodes. Like, good job, us. We have not yes. missed that much. Granted, quarantine Heritage. canceled a bunch of our vacations, but, yeah. you know, still. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that. I was like, I haven't freaking had a holiday from this from this podcast <laughs> this year i think like i don't think i've taken any weeks off so props to me and to you but also man i need a vacation <laughs> yeah oh yes truly would love a vacation i mean a vacation from everything including the podcast but we should be celebrating the wonderful memories mm-hmm. that we've made along mm-hmm. the way rather than just you know Oh, yeah, yearning for a trip someplace despite no, as much as yeah, I want that yeah no it's been a great two years Matt honestly I've learned so much from you like um you gave me insight that I never knew was like lacking in my life and um working out if that's valuable or not is really just like a journey that I continue to go on and and that you know like growth and discomfort like that's a that's a part of of um being human so i i appreciate the challenges you've brought into my life and and really the ways you've forced me to grow and to accept people different from me so you know thank you you were the one who invited me to do a podcast with you (laughs) way back when which i'm sure is a burden that you have (laughs) carried with you (laughs) to this day but i mean i honestly have had so much fun doing this (laughs) and i feel like i mean i like to stay on top of news and watch movies and read Mm -hmm, books and mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. but this has been a wonderful excuse to like actually keep up with all of that and i feel like i am much more well versed than i ever would be (laughs) thanks to you and to movie pass the two of them together yes truly changed our lives really if you think about it it all comes back to that but no i mean we've had some big moments i think uh statistically just by the numbers our biggest and most successful and important and uh lasting episode we ever did was on taylor swift's lover so (laughs) you're welcome for that um really big moment yeah (laughs) my favorite musician of 2019 according to spotify (laughs) yeah exactly famously yes yeah big deal i mean we started way back when with Jurassic Park, <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. Truly, we still have not right. gotten the follow up to that, which, yeah. you know, it, that will feel like a full circle moment for me, but <laughs> we're still waiting. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like other fun are obviously our top are like countdowns every year of all of our mm-hmm. movies is mm-hmm. a truly mm-hmm. raucous wild time that I look forward to. Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite moment. I think you've saved a lot of people in my life, like a lot of energy I usually put towards them. Like I'd go to parties and I'd just be like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Let me tell you about this. Have you listened to this? Have you watched this? And now I have this like outlet to really make <laughs> you know, an impact <laughs> with my opinions and um, reach an audience that really cares instead of just these 
uh, beloved friends and family who don't <laughs> prioritize watching the latest and greatest, you know? And I think that we're a really good combination because we sort of care about the same things in some ways, but also have very different like ways of approaching things, different tastes. So it's always yeah. fun to kind of see who, what the other person thinks. You know, <laughs> right. whenever I'm watching a movie, I'm like, okay, I think Shelby's going to like this. Oh, no, maybe Shelby's not going to like this. Oh, maybe she is. And then it's fun to actually be surprised and be on the episode and talk through it all with you. Yeah. And also just to talk in depth about any movie for like an hour yeah. is a joy that you don't normally get in real right. life. So. I'm glad that we've what done this. I know. Hopefully our listeners are too. I mean, we still haven't gotten the 100 <laughs> iTunes well, reviews. We were. We promised, don't know yet. We yeah, could have yeah. gotten, what, the 14 more right. in between the right. Tuesday episode releasing and the you're Thursday right, episode right, releasing. Right. We have to count on our fans, Shelby. Yeah. We can't discredit <laughs> yeah. them. You're right. I mean, but it's just, it's, it's thrilling you know every email we get every every like honestly on on ps you're wrong on twitter or instagram just makes me feel so validated as a human being so so thank you to our our listeners we're in this for the long haul and it seems like maybe you guys are stuck with us now too so i mean we've really i think the best way to measure our success is that we have started to get emails (laughs) from random pr agents pushing like strange products and guests and things on us that I truly think nobody wants. So we have just been ignoring those emails, but that also seems like a sign of success (laughs) because do you think Gwyneth Paltrow's answering all her weird emails? No. So basically Uh, we're on the same level as her now, which is exciting. Yeah. That's all we wanted in life. We're still planning our uh, live podcast tour, but once oh yes those... and the merch <laughs> yeah. and the merch love the merch yeah we have to start our patreon still um mm-hmm. but these are these are milestones we're excited to get to as a totally successful and driven uh podcast so honestly do you think that like if we created merch it's sort of like if you build it they will come kind of a thing <laughs> like by doing it we seem more successful than we are and then maybe people will think that we're more successful yeah like if i show it up to things in ps you're wrong t-shirts yeah what should we do like do we have a catchphrase though we don't even we don't even have like a name we call our listeners you know yeah, I have thought about that, honestly, at various <laughs> points throughout this two-year process. And our name, I feel like, does not yield an easy... Yeah. It's like, what? You're, you're like wrong. Like the wrongos. Like, or, yeah. No. The P- PSEs. The, piss- the pissers. Because P.S. <laughs> I got it. I solved it. Ah, yes. I'd love to wear a shirt that says, I'm a pisser on it. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Uh, We'll figure okay. out a merch line before the holidays for sure. Yeah, so and if you stop if you, stock, <laughs> give it to all your loved ones. Yeah. The I'm the pisser uh, <laughs> trucker hat that we're working on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you fun. have if you have merch suggestions or <laughs> suggestions of names for our fan group, please send them to us via email we're at psyourong at gmail.com yes and you can also find us on social media at psyourong on instagram and twitter where our dms are always open so 
honestly, we're just having a good time and uh and we have nothing but love for our for our pissers. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we have to stop this. This cannot catch on. I refuse. <laughs> We've been through so many lows and that's a new low even for us. Um so to celebrate our 100th episode, we were trying to think like what should we do? I feel like a natural choice would have been like some sort of clip show, but that feels like a lot of work. And also I hate those in general. (laughs) So what we decided was that we would sort of do a thought exercise of if Shelby and I owned a movie theater, and especially during this pandemic time where there's really nothing coming out. And the two of us just got to fill it with whatever movies we want from, you know, the past, the present, and <laughs> not the it. future yeah, no, yes the yes just the past canceled. and the present yeah. uh what those movies would be and why we would pick them and how we would you know try to attract an audience to our truly mm. glamorous beautiful movie theater yeah. with only top of the line uh slushy mm-hmm. machines mm-hmm. yeah and just uh the entertainment choices to match you know like could we make a profit would anyone come would would these draw the cautious out of quarantine and the deniers from their pool parties? Like that's, that's the question we had in our hearts as we tried to carve out a select eight movies that could fill a, a AMC theater in these dark days. Yeah. So we each got eight slots and we'll just sort of go through them. I'm sure that Shelby will have negative opinions towards my (laughs) wonderful selections but we'll just kind of talk it through and then at the end you know we can sort of see who we think would make the most money on their end of the of the theater yeah i mean the answer seems obvious just from our general taste and the the 100 episodes that came before the 99 episodes that came before this but you never know maybe matt really will surprise us you know, I'm going for money, so I picked all the all four Avengers movies, <laughs> just, Avatar, yeah. the Black Panther. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm excited to see what you think will uh, lure people to dirty, grimy movie theater seats. So please do tell what is your number one headlining movie. Okay, so when I was trying to think of this, you know, I feel like the initial thought is, well, just what are your eight favorite movies? Mm, and let's mm-hmm. put that those in the theater. And then, you know, so I sort of looked at that list and thought, <laughs> no, maybe I can do better. I need to be picking things that are going to appeal to different movies. I need to pick a movie for your dad. I need to pick a movie for your mom. Pick a movie right. for the family. Something yeah. horror, something romance. You know, just like a good mix of things so that when you're going to see things at our theater there's like eight movies that are doing different things for different audiences so there's a little something for everybody wait wait, so so um just just to get it out of the way uh did isn't it romantic make the cut you know sadly isn't it romantic (laughs) did not and here is another thing why i felt like because we have talked so much about movies that have come out recently on this podcast Uh i did not pick any movies that have come out since 2018 so anything (laughs) that we would have talked about on the podcast not up for a selection okay okay yes that's great news for me carry on Yes, so the kitchen, sadly, will not be taking any of these spots. Um, So I figured, okay, let's start 
big. Let's do something that has a proven track record. A lot of people loved. A lot of people rewatch it. It has like this epic, timeless quality to it. And so I went with the 1997 Best Picture winner, Titanic. Oh, man, I had Titanic. What? Yeah, (laughs) of course I did. You think you're original? I, I, I have seen parts of Titanic so many times and clips and whatever, but I, for whatever reason, had never actually sat down and watched the entirety of it until this quarantine. And I did it like a month ago and I thought, wow, this is a great movie, you guys. Who knew? Titanic, (laughs) one of the best movies of our time. I know. I mean, it it gives... It gives you context for why James Cameron, the director, has been given like 45 years to finish his Avatar series. You know, like like he uh, hasn't had that many movies, but he did Titanic. And so I think you just get a free pass after that. Well, and Avatar. I mean, and did he do anything in between? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember if he had something between Titanic and Avatar. He's, but I mean, those are two yeah. massive movies. Yeah. So yeah. once you've made those, it's like okay. And also, I mean, it didn't start Leonardo DiCaprio or Kate Winslet's oh, but career, it, yeah. but it definitely like boosted them yeah. into another level of stardom. It was the first movie ever to make a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for 14 Oscars. It won 11 of them. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, it's like, and I'm glad that you watched it and appreciated it because I feel like it has sort of had this renaissance moment for whatever reason in quarantine where people are like, because there is a phase where it was like, it was easy to hate on Titanic. You mocked the dialogue. You're like, oh, look at that handprint in the sex scene. Oh, he could have fit on the door. You know, it's like, get over yourselves. This is like, there's a reason this is so successful. And it has a little bit of something for everyone, you know, like, I don't love the first half as much as I love the second half because I think the second half just turns into this great, great disaster flick where you have, you watch this like tragedy happen and it's, and it's just like really well done. The ship's starting to sink and break apart and it's just like, oh my gosh, so sweeping and tragic. Well, and it's so long, but it doesn't feel long when you're watching Mm -hmm. it. I mean, when you think about a movie that's over three hours, I feel (laughs) like it's, uh, this is going to. This is mm-hmm. arduous. There's stuff that could easily be cut. Mm-hmm. But really, the boat starts to sink about halfway through. And then that back half is like pure action the entire time. And oh, the, yeah. the Celine Dion song, the score, mm-hmm. yeah. and the fact that this was made in the 90s and looks as good as it does still is a testament. Yes. I mean, there's some wonky CG at some points, but in general top-notch <laughs> and there's some great one-liners like honestly and the delivery i think one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the whole movie is uh leonardo dicaprio's delivery of the line wow you would have sunk straight to the bottom with that <laughs> rock i don't know why it's just like stuck out to me he's just deadpans it in a way that i don't think it was intentionally like meant to be sarcastic or something it's just like he was still growing as an actor there's just moments throughout that you're just like yes that table dinner scene with all the rich snobs the the weird scene where she's like look at me go on my tiptoes among the poor like third class dance hall it's just there's always just something that just jumps out and honestly the framing narrative of this old lady with the with the heart of the ocean like it's just uh, iconic and I mean, Kathy Bates is amazing <laughs> in this movie, I feel like. And you forget that she's even there. There's so many other things that are happening. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, well, so stuff. now that I've stolen your pick, uh, what are you going yeah. to be, you know, replacing it with? Yeah, I mean, this isn't like a surprise to anyone, but that doesn't mean it isn't any good. Jurassic Park, obviously, 1993, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg's greatest hit. I think this has stood this the the test of time in a way that a lot of films just can't. Um, but I mean, Jurassic Park is just iconic and. Obviously, we still have this franchise that's chugging along in a very unfortunate way. And I wish we could just Mm -hmm. rewind and restart that. But it speaks to the fact that Jurassic Park just started this this love affair with dinosaurs for the general public again. I mean, it like it is a reason people still go to like dinosaur museums. And I think it's a big part of why the movie still works is that there's such an attention to these little details rather than just a focus on dinosaur attacks. And so the animatronics and CGI look great still. It all holds up. And I think Jurassic Park is always a safe bet because this is one that has come back to theaters. It did like a, I think it's 20th year or some sort of reunion. It had a 3d run in theaters. Again, I went and saw it. It was great. Um, it also has been featured in a lot of drive-ins this summer with coronavirus and every single time it sells out. So it's just like, it's fun for the family. It's fun for film, like obsessed critics. It's like nostalgic, but it's also easy for new people to fall in love with it. So I think Jurassic Park is like a tentpole item to have at a movie theater and it should frankly always be in theaters because I think you could always find people willing to shell out like eight dollars to go see this on the big screen (laughs) oh yeah Jurassic Park is a great movie as bad as the franchise is now (laughs) it is it's such a great mix of like horror and comedy and action and sci-fi it's got a little bit of something for everybody Laura Dern's obviously Mm, doing great work in it she's having a renaissance now uh, you convinced me to read the books a couple of years ago. Yes. Those are great. Yeah, yeah. so it's solid choice again. And, and all black, mm-hmm. giving snarky one-liners. Like, honestly, John Williams is doing some of his best work here. Like, it's just... And it, and it's also just, like, a great reminder that a good, entertaining, success, financially successful movie doesn't have to just be action and blood and guts like this movie is a lot of conversation it's a lot of talking it's a lot of characterization and it still moves along in such a entertaining and and engaging way so more movies should be like (laughs) this movie okay well our theater is truly (laughs) we're just racking them up up the dollars right now okay so titanic Jurassic Park, both great mm-hmm. movies, maybe not great movies for the kids. <laughs> and so I was thinking we got to get a kids movie in here. And we all knew that this choice was coming from the very beginning. The 2002 classic <laughs> Big Fat Liar starring Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti and Amanda Bynes in probably what is her best work. Um, also, this movie does utilize the uh, Jurassic Park soundtrack. Oh, so, okay. per- perfect. you know. If you're looking for that, now you have two theaters so you can see it. (laughs) Um, Do you really think that Big Fat Liar is attracting new kid audiences? I mean, I think that Big Fat Liar (laughs) is sort of a, I mean, it's like a timeless prank war movie. Mm -hmm. It's about a kid and an adult going at it 
at a prank war, which is always fun to watch. They basically, Amanda Bynes and Frankie Muniz as children fly across the country and get to live on the back lot of a movie studio for a week. So there's all kinds of fun stuff there. Uh, Paul Giamatti gets dyed blue. Also, there's great supporting performances from Donald Faison, Sandra Oh, Russell Hornsby, John Cho, Karen <laughs> Tillam, Keenan Thompson, Jaleel mm-hmm. White. Like everybody is in this movie doing something fun. And I think that this is a kid's like, is this a Lion King style classic movie that everybody shows their children? No. But I also think that this as something that came out in 2002, 100% would still appeal to kids who are watching it today. I think if you took your kids to see this movie, they would be into it. They would think it's funny. (laughs) They would still think Amanda Bynes saying, your car is parked on a dog is a funny line. (laughs) Have you had the opportunity to introduce this to any children in your life? You know, sadly, no, because they don't have any kids. But, <laughs> but just no wait. Nieces, nephews, babysitting gigs, I have No. You know, it's for some tough, reason or another, tough. nobody is knocking down my yeah. door asking me to babysit <laughs> Maybe their your children. Maybe because choices. But we'll never know, I guess. Um, I, uh, I'm not surprised this is on here. Um, you know, there's small theater rooms for a reason, so... I'm sure you could find a few. Stragglers. Do you not like Big Fat Liar? It's when not was the last time I you watched like it? it? It's that I've had no reason to revisit it since seeing it for the one and only time when it came out. Um, I feel. I mean, I who? It's hard to judge when adults watch children's movies for the first time, mm. but I do feel like. Big Fat Liar is such a movie for people who like movies because mm. so much of it is set like on the universal backlot. Mm-hmm. And so you have all of these props right. and people in costumes. Yeah. They're like things set by the psycho house. Mm. There's uh, you know, the soundtrack that they're mm. using is really good and involves a lot of other movie soundtracks. And plus Amanda Bynes is just so funny yeah. and she's so funny in this. And this was before she, you know, like veered <laughs> off. So it's like, Ah, a better time. Yeah, I I hear ya. I'm just I guess my reticence is mostly that I don't think that kid that parents would bring kids to see this movie. I think you'd get millennials who maybe want to rewatch this. That's all I'm saying, you know? Well, you know. It will take them to. Come <laughs> yeah. one, come all. Anyone's open to it. But do you have a better children's movie? I did. I was thinking, you know, we've we've found out through this through this virus that parents don't really they're, they're willing to risk their children's health if it means getting them out of the house. So, we yeah. do have an audience there and you want to appeal to both the child and the parent who is taking said child to sit in said theater. Um, I went a different route and I think you'll judge me equally for it, but I stand my ground. I think what is ripe for a theatrical rerun is the Prince of Egypt, which is Ugh. the, <laughs> I almost picked this. I legitimately was about five <laughs> seconds from picking this movie. Well, if only you had my superior taste, you would have known this is the best route to go. I think this is the 1989, 1998 DreamWorks, uh, biblical animated musical <laughs> moment. It is, it's just like a huge cast. It's Ralph, Ralph Val Kilmer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, Heron Mirren, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Patrick Stewart's in there. Um, it has great music and it has beautiful animation. And so 
you kind of get this perfect Venn diagram of people who one are either looking for that Christian vibe, that family friendly, feel good story, retelling of Moses, let's get it. But you also have those those film lovers, those critics, those people who can appreciate artistry where it is. And so, yes, it is a religiously slanted movie, which is kind of, you know, testy in these days and age. But I have seen so many people talking about this and rediscovering it and loving it and paying it its dues that I really think this would do well um, drawing a crowd again, just to be able to watch it on the big screen because it has these big song numbers, these gorgeous sweeping like um, illustrations, like animations. And it's just like, a pleasure to watch. I still like go back to the soundtrack. I've rewatched it multiple times. Like I'm just a big fan. Oh yeah. I love the Prince of Egypt. I feel like it's such an underrated animated film and the, it's funny. You have the classic Mariah Carey versus Whitney mm-hmm, Houston mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over the credit song. Yes, I uh, and and I think that because it's the story of Moses, which is sort of a story that, it's a cultural touchstone whether you're religious or not like you sort of need to know this it's part of the mythology just that is culture people reference it all the time that watching the movie it doesn't feel like it's something it's not like when you're watching breakthrough where (laughs) chrissy metz is you know praying her child back out of a coma and it feels like you would only watch this movie if you were really like supporting this agenda that it's sharing Mm -hmm. where the prince of egypt feels like it's a movie for everybody and the music is so good we had that cd blasting in our car all the time growing up oh yeah they have like remixes it's good and also i mean it's about like you know the the plagues of egypt so it's really on theme with 2020 there's some people dying all over yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) some and you have a government that's refusing to face the facts and and is like i don't want to deal with this right now i'm just going to pretend it's not happening and so you have just a just a strange parallel parallel parallelity parallelism to our current parallelogram yeah so i think it would really stand out in our theater interesting yes okay love this great (laughs) our theater is shaping up very nicely at this point uh okay something that we're missing is a little bit of horror in the mix it took me a while to figure out which horror movie to pick (laughs) for this lineup i mean i could have just picked eight horror movies and been happy Mm -hmm. i ended up going with i feel like the classy choice which (laughs) is silence of the lambs from 1991 Mm. uh this is the hannibal lecter serial killer movie starring Jodie Foster as an FBI trainee who has to team up with Anthony Hopkins, the cannibal serial killer, to track down another serial killer who is skinning the bodies of corpses. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one of only three movies to win the top five, the big five at the Oscars. That's picture, actor, actress, director, and screenplay. It came out in January and still managed to win all of those awards. So it stuck around for a whole year. It's less than two hours long, which I think is always a good draw when you're getting people into the theater. And it is truly terrifying. So (laughs) 
I thought we need that in the mix. I don't know if Shelby's going to pick a good horror movie. And this felt yeah. like something that was prime for the picking. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I feel like you could have gone better in the horror route. I was really counting on you <laughs> to fill that out. I recently rewatched this like literally two weeks ago. And <sighs> um, like, it's good. It's very good. It has an interesting like feminism angle in how it's filmed and her character and stuff but i also uh watched the documentary disclosure which is about uh transgender transgenders in media and they had a lot to say about this one so yeah the buffalo bill uh (laughs) character plot line is Mm, yeah yes not But I still feel like just as a movie, uh, like as a terrifying film and also as something that is like Hannibal Lecter is so iconic as a as a villain that I just I just and and, I feel like The Shining might have been a better, you know, theatrical draw. The thing with The Shining, though, is I mean, I love The Shining, too, but I sort of like uh I like a killer mm. more than I like a like a haunting, like a ghosty. Yes, thing. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I also could have picked Halloween. I thought about <laughs> picking the Scream movies, which I love. Yeah, um, honestly, anything. Uh, else. I mean, yeah. Hereditary <laughs> is great, which I. But that you know, I was trying not to pick things that were that recent. Right. Also, Silence of the Lambs just made a crap ton of money so i was like okay let's get that money i hear that i just one of the things i was thinking of when i was trying to plan these is like what do people want to like you can watch any of these movies at home at any time so what is the draw for going to a movie theater in particular and i think one is audience but two is just theatrical scope as far as sound size all of that Mm -hmm. so one of the ones i picked that kind of scratched that itch uh was Mad Max Fury Road, which is the mm. George Miller 2015 surprise hit that is the uh, a sequel to a part of the Mad Max franchise, but you have no need to watch any of the other Mad Maxes. And it really just exists on its own because he put so much into making this as... I mean, I don't know if realistic is the right word, but he used like real stunt work. He wanted to have it like gritty and just touchable. And it's just one of those movies that I like tell people to watch and then they'll come back and be like, yeah, I mean, it was okay. And I know it's because they're sitting on their couch. They got their phone in their hand. They check Twitter. They swipe on Tinder. They get up to get their pizza. Like this movie needs to be witnessed, you know? And I think having it in a theater again would allow people to one just enjoy it but two people to like really sit in that IMAX room and just be like wow this is stunning this is beautiful to watch the music the story like everything about it just builds in such an interesting way when you're in that sort of public dome of a movie theater that I think it could really do well. Oh yeah. Mad Max is beautiful and the visuals are so interesting. I mean, I think it was what all filmed in Australia uh, in the desert. So yes, it is very cinematic. And honestly, that's sort of another reason why I picked science of the lambs too, because I think that there are certain movies that are better to watch with a group of people Mm -hmm. and something that's scary is good, but also 
uh, Mad Max has so many like visceral, like hoorah, exciting yeah. chase scenes that it's more fun to watch with other people around. Where if you're just sitting on your couch, yeah, there's less of that like energy zappiness in the air that happens when you're watching yeah. that movie in theaters. And it's just stunning. I just, I would love to rewatch it in a theater just selfishly. This is one I'm... I would sneak into and definitely sit down and enjoy because it's just so stunning. I feel like it sours a little bit for me that the main character is Tom Hardy, who is sort of like, uh but aside (laughs) from that, I love it. Well, I would argue the main character is Furiosa, played by Shirley's Theron, but I hear you, and that's okay. Well, the the titular character then is played by Tom Hardy. I it's one of those things where I remember Nicholas Holt, I remember Shirley's Theron, Mm -hmm. and then and then I probably remember Zoe Kravitz, (laughs) and then. And then at that point, I remember, oh, wait, it's Tom Hardy. <laughs> like, that's who Mad Max is. Okay. Haters gonna hate. Okay. I feel like when I'm thinking about types of movies that people go see in theaters, you know, Titanic is maybe for your mom. Mad Max <laughs> is for, like, your cool, like, cousin or, like, the t- teenager. But, like, we need a solid dad movie in the mix, oh, you know? Dear, yeah. Something that the dads are going to get excited for. And I was also trying to figure out, like, what is a sports movie that we could fit in here? Because I felt like you probably <laughs> weren't going to bring, be bringing that to the table and that I needed to get us something uh, in that yeah. category. So I went with the 2015 film Creed, oh. which... I loved when it came out. It's sort of like a re uh, it's it's technically a sequel, but sort of like a reimagining of the Rocky franchise, which is a franchise that I love. This is the Ryan Coogler directed film starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson doing great work, Felicia Rashad. And it's about Apollo Creed's son who decides he wants to start boxing and Sylvester Stallone is his coach. Sylvester Stallone was Oscar nominated for this movie. It made a bunch of money. The sequel is also really good. But yeah, I just, I mean, this is a movie that my dad really likes that I've watched with my family multiple times. And I feel like this is the perfect kind of movie if you're looking for something that's sportsy, but isn't necessarily... Uh, you know, sort of like the same old dry sports narrative Mm -hmm. that you get in a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. And also this has some different angles sort of going on Mm. uh, that something maybe like We Are Marshall does not (laughs) provide. So I picked Creed. Very interesting. I I would never call that a dad movie, but but I mean, I appreciate seeing MBJ on the big screen any day of the week, so... I mean, it's part of the Rocky franchise. And if there is anything that is a dad movie, it is Rocky. Yeah, but I feel like that's exactly it is. I mean, maybe you just have a really young dad, but my dad does not (laughs) care about Creed. He likes Rocky. He likes his, it's Rocky. You know, it's like we're watching Rocky. You know, we don't need any of this shiny Your dad didn't like Creed? No, I mean, no, I don't think so. Oh my gosh, my dad loves Creed because it also fits in that sort of like aging hero vibe that he is also really into. He loves like the Expendables and like the Rambo reboot. This feels like it's it's not that, but it is like close enough to that Uh that 
it fits. I don't know. I love this. And my yeah, dad is obsessed with this movie. So, And my dad is also not young. He's like 60 <laughs> something. So I'm sort of torn on which one to talk about next. Um, I think it's interesting you went the dad angle because I feel like I just gave up on that angle. I was like, you know what? Who's going to show up to a movie theater, shell out money for an old movie? It's going to be millennials and youth and people eager for an escape and just a chance at some nostalgia. So I felt like it was crucial, crucial we hit that millennial demographic. And I think the best way to get it is a magical showing of High School Musical. (laughs) So High School Musical is a Disney Channel original movie that never had its chance at a theatrical run. It came out in 2006 on the Disney Channel, obviously. It launched Zac Efron into stardom. Vanessa Hudgens had her time, too. I mean, but I mean, this is, is it the best High School Musical? I don't know. Does it have the best High School Musical numbers? I don't know. But... I believe that people would pay money to watch this with a crowd on a big screen with the chance to maybe sing along. I just think that this is like the millennials bread and butter is just something old school, but not like too old school. You want something that reminds you of being a kid and makes you pretend it wasn't that long ago. But then you could also be like, oh my gosh, this was so long ago. And it also is just like, a little warm hug in these dark, dark days. So I really am confident that this could be a big seller for us. Like, I really think people would want to watch it happen in a theater for the first time of their lives. I mean, I can see this going both ways because on (laughs) one hand, yes, I think this would uh, work for sort of the, like hate watch but not hate watch like sneak a flask into it sing along like good time kind of a crowd like oh oh, isn't this ironic we're going for my birthday party Mm -hmm. i'm just not sure what other audience this is serving aside from that i mean maybe that's a big audience (laughs) but like i don't think that you're getting tweens to go see high school musical that feels like it's not cool anymore (laughs) I guess we'd be able to see, but I feel like it's been memed enough. It's been sort of gift enough that I think it is still a part of our cultural zeitgeist. So there definitely are TikTokers yeah. that go to songs from this yeah, film. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> well, I went the exact opposite way for my fifth movie pick. I was like, okay, we gotta, we gotta have at least one like old school, old school representation <laughs> in here. Like, we need something black and white from oh a gosh. bygone era because people love, <laughs> okay. people love like seeing an old movie in theaters. I mean, yes, yes, people also love like an '80s Goonies, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's lots of theaters, especially in New York, which I mean, who knows where our theater is getting built i think it plays differently in different parts of the country but i was like let's do something that is sort of fun and older so i went with the 1950 sort of like classic noir sunset boulevard have you seen this yeah yeah and i it's you know it's about this like struggling screenwriter and this reclusive former silent film star who sort of like lives in this demented fantasy world where she thinks that she is like still a big deal even though she's not there's a murder at the center of it it's a little bit of a whodunit it's a little bit of kind of old hollywood glamour 
it I just think it's a fun like if and and I've watched it recently and I feel like a lot of old movies feel like slow or they feel like they don't quite hold up in some of the ways mm. because we're used to things going so fast and this was a movie that even watching it like now I feel like it works in a lot of ways and it's still really compelling and interesting and like moves along. There's a lot of famous lines from this movie. There's a lot of really just interesting scenes and it's another one of those like behind the scenes movie movies, which I think movie fans (laughs) like. Yeah, no, I can respect that. I, I guess, you know, cause I struggled a lot with what do, how old do we get here? Cause I just, you know, a love of old movies is sort of a dying thing for a lot of the general public. Well, just because Rob won't watch anything that's older (laughs) than 2005 doesn't mean nobody will. I know, but I just, I guess I would have gone towards the Alfred Hitchcock side of old movies that have a little bit more action and sort of This is like adjacent. yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, it's I mean, I wasn't going to pick like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> that could have gotten the dad vote 100%. My dad is so much more likely to go to like that or freaking I think to we kill have different types of dads. Than <laughs> My dad has never watched To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. and he never would. My dad's favorite movie is 300. My dad so... would show up for a day long like replay of Ben-Hur and that is that's a market that I think is arguably untapped is if we did like the Ten Commandments type of Oh, I almost picked the Ten Commandments yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. That was the other that was also up for this slot of like Yeah. Oh, but that's so long. And Sunset Boulevard <laughs> Boulevard is like a little shorter. Yeah. No, I And I was you. also thinking like who so so there's people like who are, you know, just regular people going to see old movies now because there's nothing else to watch. But I was also thinking like in New York, there is a thriving market of people who okay. go see old movies like generally. Yeah. And those people I feel like would be into a Sunset Boulevard yes. screening. Yeah, I understand your bias there. We're hitting the different demographics, yeah. <laughs> you know? You got the drunk yeah. millennials. I have the I'm artsy like, fartsy I, I old I guess crew. I'm just thinking, you know, it, this isn't freaking, you know this isn't your artist artisans like movie theater in freaking Brooklyn. Like this is, is a movie there. You know, it's your AMC. It's like, who's going to show up for sunset Boulevard? No one, but you know what they will show up for freaking dark night, baby. Cause that's my next pick. Christopher oh, Nolan's 2008, uh, comic book moment that has just defined a lot of, films that have come since i mean the dark knight is uh it's been on so many best of decades best of you know the century list like i think people love this movie for a lot of different reasons and it's nearly perfect and the music the acting with heath ledgers the joker um you have christian bale growling and just like a lot's happening, but it's all mesmerizing to watch. And every single person would want to see this again in theaters. Like I think, like I Googled, I Googled, what do people want to watch in theaters? And The Dark Knight is the most often referenced movie I could find because I think one, a lot of people missed it or they just, you know, didn't get to see it in theaters for whatever reason because not everyone goes to movies like we do. So 
it'd be a moment to be able to watch it on the big screen, see it in IMAX, hear the sounds, you know, feel the audience. And two, it is also just like such an important film if you, I mean, one, if you love the genre, but also just for anyone who loves film, because this is cited as such a well done movie. And I think the character marks, the the energy, the the lighting, even just like every choice in it is just something mesmerizing that you want to study a little bit more. So this would be a this would be a no brainer for me. I mean, I think this is a good choice. Obviously, (laughs) this is going to sell tickets. I feel like The Dark Knight is the basic, is like the most basic bro movie. (laughs) Like if you talk to everybody in my fraternity in college, what's your favorite movie? They're either going to say The Dark Knight or Shawshank Redemption. Those are the two movies that every male between the age of, I don't know, 20 and 35 (laughs) is like, that is their favorite movie. So we definitely got a demographic here. You know, it's like, oh yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'll take it over fight club too. Um, for me, I feel like the dark Knight is, I, I think part of it is like a backlash to that level of, excitement from people but also i think the dark knight really begins and ends for me with the heath ledger joker performance which is masterful and amazing and every second that he is in this movie is great however do i really like the two-face harvey dent stuff Meh. Mm. do i need um maggie gyllenhaal saying harvey harvey all all the time no she could really go for me <laughs> well, i just okay. i so I'm glad that we have this in the theater. I think it's definitely working for an audience. Is it my favorite movie? <laughs> Meh. Yeah, I mean, I respect your <laughs> weirdly specific criticisms. <laughs> I'm I'm just I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad choice. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying it's not my yeah. favorite movie. Yeah, no, I hear you. Are you ready? <laughs> For a controversial oh, take, Shelby. This is, we're getting controversial now? Okay. Oh, okay. oh yes. Oh, yes. We have arrived. Okay. I think this is my most controversial pick. Okay. I was trying to think, okay, we need a big franchise piece, which I mean, yeah. So we got The Dark Knight, great. You're welcome. But yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> what what is like a superhero movie that we could do? I mean, obviously, I was thinking Black Panther. I was thinking... Um, Avengers. I was thinking the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. And then I thought, eh, maybe not. Maybe don't go the superhero franchise route. Maybe go for something a little bit more sci-fi. And I thought Star Wars. And then I thought, <laughs> which Star Wars movie should I pick? Oh and I thought, clearly the best one. Oh the gosh. 1999 classic, The Phantom Menace, <laughs> starring Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman. This is the birth of Jar Jar Binks, the cultural icon. And how could you ever have a theater without Jar Jar frigging Binks, large and in charge in posters spread around the website, around the walls of the theater, on the front marquee. We need Jar Jar Binks. This is the best Star Wars movie for a number of reasons. There's a podcast, um, not a podcast, <laughs> pod racer chase sequence. This has the definitive lightsaber battle between Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Darth Maul. There is not a better lightsaber battle. This has all of the iconic Princess Amidala outfits. 
you have Naboo, you have Tatooine, you have just so many great moments. I also love the Phantom Menace because it's really like one plot line. A lot of the Star Wars movies sort of like branch off and are doing a bunch of things, but this keeps your core group of people together throughout the whole film. They're going on a journey. It just works. I love it so much. One plot I line, could though. not pick I, it. I don't feel like it's one plot line. That's just a weird thing to say. I mean, you have pod racing, child taking, and then you have like a journey to the ocean and they're like avoiding like a battle. Like it wasn't one plot. Well, the plot is that they have to that they're figuring out how to like save Naboo. Oh, okay. So they so the <laughs> Jedi picture, go there, yeah. they get the they get the <laughs> princess and stuff, they escape, they go they land at Tatooine, they get and but it's all everybody's want it together. What I'm saying is like <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back, which is I <laughs> think largely touted as the you best. Count, you're just counting you're just counting Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan as all together because there are multiple scenes I remember where the girl isn't there. The boy isn't there. So what is what's going on here? What are we talking about? Yes, there's individual <laughs> scenes that they're not in, but the large arc is following them as a group. Uh-huh. Where like the so, there's a lot of Star Wars movies where everybody splits off and goes on their old their own plot line throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like the the Attack of the Clones is like that. Empire Strikes Back is like that. Where it's like, even though they're all your favorite characters, Han is off doing one right. thing. Leia's off doing something. Uh, um, Luke is with Yoda on that friggin' swamp planet doing <laughs> nothing. So Phantom Menace, I just... And I was thinking, okay, like, what is a good... Mm cinematic movie and phantom menace has has that amazing score it has things you want to see you know i purposely said to rob i'm not choosing a single star wars movie because i cannot stand star wars stands i just can't i don't and in my mind i was thinking of like the last jedi lovers versus the like the last of skywalker hater like oh yeah well i, I wasn't gonna that, pick any i never of considered having to combat the phantom menace stand like i just it's almost as if you don't know i me. honestly wish you would have picked solo like i honestly thought that's where you were going i forgot oh, I this movie solo existed too. i was like this is a bad choice but do you think this would draw this would be you'd be able to like find your people or you think this would be like the same group of people who would go and see cats in theaters? Uh, you know, that's an interesting <laughs> question because I sort of just picked this because I was like, let's pick yeah. a Star Wars and this was my favorite Star Wars one and yeah. I knew it would rile you up. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think that, yeah, if you pick The Empire Strikes Back, if you pick A New Hope, that's a certain audience that you're going to get. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get that like yeah, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Yes. Like, like <laughs> men. Um, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where this, I think, is more specific. But I think the Star Wars fans will would come out for it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think maybe you could get some of those cats people. Also, this is a kids movie where some of the other Star Wars ones are not as ch- kid friendly. This could easily be a bring your kids and dump them in the theater movie. Yeah, you know, that's true. I guess I would take any child, leave them here and go see a better movie. So that's a good that's a good child care option you gave this theater. So 
<laughs> okay, whatever. What, uh, this coming from the yeah. person who picked High School Musical. So let's, yeah, yeah. what's well, your next speaking choice? Speaking of cinematic masterpieces, I wanted to make sure we had something timely, interesting, thought-provoking, emotional, and um, and beautiful to witness. And honestly, I think this movie deserved more of an audience than it got at the time, even though it went on to win some Oscars. But If Beale Street Could Talk, from 2018, so fairly recent, Barry Jenkins, um, this was Kiki Lane's introduction to cinema, and we've just seen her in The Old Guard. Regina King won, I think she won. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely won. She won for supporting Best Actress for her role in this. The music is just so beautiful. And I just thought we needed a movie that, I mean, one, obviously the diversity here is so important and Barry Jenkins does such a good job with any movie he handles where it's just, uh, you could just get lost in these worlds, these characters, these, uh, just the cinematic moments. But it also has the unfortunate reality of being very timely still in that it's dealing with a uh, wrongly accused man, uh, a wrongly accused black man who's forced into the prison system and they're trying to save him from this racist uh, accusation. And I think it just is so beautiful and touching and really human. And I loved watching it in theaters. And I think it's good to have something like that for people who just want to escape the hellscape that is 2020 but also remain aware of what we need to actively fight and why we're fighting it so I feel like that was a good a good chance to kind of capture people I mean like what else like it I didn't want anything like green book like please heaven help us I wasn't going to put the help in our theater ever (laughs) But I think this is a really beautiful story and and it's still like so topical. So I think I think it could find an audience again. Yeah, I mean I I thought about choosing Moonlight for mm. a little while, which is the other Barry Jenkins movie. Uh I didn't really think about this cuz it's too recent and I sort of didn't <laughs> yeah. want to pick newer stuff. Um but yeah, I mean, this was a great movie. I think we both really liked it when it came out. Uh, it had really great performances. The score, which I think is Nicholas Bratel, is phenomenal. Ooh, so and beautiful. just something that you could listen to forever. And yeah, this is a beautiful movie to watch. So it's definitely something that I think would benefit from the big screen. We also haven't had very many of sort of these like arty movies that right, we've picked yeah. yet. So, you know. I mean, The it's Phantom a, if, Menace, so... That, well, yes. <laughs> this the Phantom Menace and if Beale Street Talk are really fighting for that same yeah. demographic of people, me. But <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's a good choice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I also was like, okay, well, I need to pick one arty farty movie for this lineup, and oh, so heaven help us. I mean, I <laughs> I actually I don't know if you like this movie or don't like this movie or whatever. Um I went back to 2005 and picked Capote. Oh, I never saw. Did you see this? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, I love this movie so much. Uh it's about uh Truman Capote, who is an author and a true crime writer. He's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman in a spectacular performance that won him best actor. And it's about he wrote the book In Cold Blood, which is sort of the 
beginning of like the true crime craze. It's about this, these two killers who end up murdering this family at a farmhouse, I think in Kansas or Nebraska. They really, there's sort of like no reason why they did it. And it took them, a, took the police a while to figure out kind of like what had happened because there wasn't really a motive in it. And it sort of, uh, Capote does a really good job like untangling it in the book. But Truman Capote was also really good. He was this sort of very flamboyant gay writer from the South, but who lived in New York, who was really good friends with um, Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And Harper Lee is played by Catherine Keener in this movie. And so they have a really interesting relationship. And I like it because it's, you know, it's like sort of a little bit of publishing drama, sort of a little bit of true crime. It has these two really great performances at the center from Philip Seymour Hoffman and Catherine Keener. It's, uh, it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Did it make a lot of money? Probably not. But I really loved it. And when I was thinking about like what could sort of fill this genre for maybe mm-hmm. like an older audience mm-hmm. or a more like sort of serious audience that didn't want one of these like bigger flashier mm-hmm. blockbuster movies that this could maybe fill that slot. Also, I think, I mean, obviously people love going and watching movies that they've seen before that are favorites, but I think people also like going to see movies that are good and older but that they didn't see the first time around Mm. and i feel like this could fill in that gap as well you know i've heard the name i've seen the poster i had literally no idea what it was about so (laughs) thank you for drawing it to my attention because it does sound i mean sort of interesting i i find myself resistant just because our tastes tend to uh diverge in a wood but I'm intrigued. So, you know, it's, you did a you It did is a good pitch. sort of it's sort of an I'll be gone in the dark type of a story. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the feel that it is. Mm-hmm. Um I mean the book is also really good if you read that, but I mean it's I also really like movies about friendship and this is a movie about this sort of like very odd friendship between yeah. Harper Lee and Truman Capote who are like extreme opposites of people, but for some reason or another got along very well and are both integral in the like publishing of the other person's like best book. Mm. Like Harper Lee helped Truman Capote write his book and Truman Capote helped Harper Lee write her book. So it's a real weird sort of friendship that I liked. Yeah. I, I've never been like a huge fan of the biopic uh, genre and especially, you know how I feel about white men, but <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like an well, this isn't your yeah. This is definitely not your traditional white man oh, good. story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always been turned off by the poster, but you're right. I I failed to really appreciate the new. I mean, he's like this very controversial. Like, not. He sort of like became a socialite, but this gay before that was like a socially acceptable thing, Mm -hmm. throwing these huge parties. Like he has this very weird voice that Truman or that Philip Seymour Hoffman has to do throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe you'd like it. Maybe you wouldn't like it, but I think it's really good. (laughs) It's there. We'll see. Um, I went a totally different route for my last movie. I, I feel like people in general have a pretty short term memory and they'd rather watch something they saw like a few years ago than revisit something from the 40s just because 
I mean, even like the eighties, like if you How watch, you? if you watch 16 candles, then you're suddenly forced to like, Oh, is this problematic? Like, Ooh, did I stand this movie? Wow. Is that a rape joke? Like, you know, you have to really wrestle with things that ruin your nostalgia for a film. And so I thought we needed a good throwback in here that would get people excited to go and know that they'd just be in a comfortable place. Um, And so at first I was like, maybe something like Clueless, which just had its 25th anniversary or something like Mean Girls. That's always a fan favorite. But then I thought, you know, we really need (laughs) a chance to re-experience Twilight. So I'm going into Twilight. I don't even like Twilight, but I love a good hate watch. And I think (laughs) in general, that is a lot of the energy of 2020, right? Like people, people are angry. They're sad. Their lives have been ruined. So they get to revisit something and get to make fun of it, but also kind of like it. You have this interesting mesh of people who are still very invested in Twilight and think the movies are very good. But you also have people who are equally excited to watch Twilight because it's bad or because they hate it. And you also have this new moment where Robert Pattinson is like coming back to major motion pictures. He's going to be in Batman. Kristen Stewart has sort of become more popularized as she journeys into these big budget films. So I feel like the time is ripe to uh, revisit their <laughs> their introductions. And you also have, she's a female director, so hashtag girl gang, like, yes, get it, queen. Um, Catherine Hardrick really put her own, her own <laughs> spin on this really weird novel. And the blue lens alone just deserves a its own sort of analysis of from today's critical standpoint. So I really think people would have so much fun watching this with an audience again, because people still want to rewatch it with friends. You know, like I think this would be a big popular midnight 11 PM screening. You get the popcorn, you get your Slurpees and you just have a good time. I mean, how dare you try to convince me of this by bringing Slurpees into the mix? <laughs> you pick the worst movie and say, but there's a yeah, Slurpee there. You know I'm going to show up. Yeah, this is a Slurpee party. Like, honestly, I feel like there's a lot of bad YA movies out there. There's a lot of bad teen movies out there. But this is one that is just like a warm hug, no matter if you love it or you hate it, because there's so much going on. Like these actors are really good actors, but they're just doing the weirdest things. And then you have Anna Kendrick in there for some reason, who's just gone above and beyond, like as far as wealth and like noticeability and and also the music. Like, I just feel like Twilight is something everyone can force themselves to enjoy and you kind of are like, oh, let's go watch it ironically. But then you end up enjoying it, too. So I just feel like it's it's ripe for a rewatch. I think this is by far the weirdest choice no. of anything that has been selected. <laughs> also, you're picking two millennial hate watch movies for That's this it. with this that and High School Musical. That is the realistic musical. audience. You know who goes to movies? Not 40-year-olds, okay? You it's it's these it's the millennials and especially right now when everyone's just sick and tired of being at home but they're not like ready to go you know 
throw a kegger at a bar or go swimming with like a hundred million people. So they're just going to go to a movie theater with a few of their friends and watch Twilight. I don't know if that's the demographic. That's <laughs> like, I don't think we have the numbers to back that up, but sure. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't think I've seen Twilight the movie since I saw it in theaters back whenever that was. So oh, rewatching I Twilight mean, is so much better than Twilight itself. Like that's the joy of it is it's just such a just a disaster, just a train wreck, but also like strangely interesting. The first one, at least where you're like, what a weird choice. And Robert Pattinson looks like just so sickly. And there's just you need to rewatch. it. I honestly think. It's like a fun movie to rewatch, especially with the crowd. Okay. Uh, Interesting. This is not where I thought we would be, but I guess this is where we are. Um, Okay. So wait, so that's your last pick? Uh, Yeah, I think. Okay. So then I have the final choice. Have we had a comedy yet? Like a true comedy? I mean... High School Musical and Titanic say hello. I mean, not Titanic, Twilight. Titanic? Twilight says hello. Okay. (sighs) So it's a good thing that I am finishing us off with a true comedy (laughs) classic, which I feel like you have to, you have to love this movie. Um, This is a little bit older, but I think it holds up really, really well. I watched this movie as a child with my grandmother and... It was one of her favorite, or it is one of her favorite movies. It's one of my favorite movies. This is the 1980 comedy workplace classic, Nine to Five, starring Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, and Lily Tomlin. Do you love this movie? I I saw like half of it once. (laughs) What? Yeah. You... And you didn't. <laughs> when did you watch this? I don't know, like like a, like five or so years ago, like a while ago, but not like childhood ago. I just, I this is my question for you: Is you really think that the demographic of people going to movies is anyone over the age of forty? Yes. No, I am looking at the statistics for the last three years, and the highest demographic by far is the twenty-five to thirty-nine year old gang, like. People, is, let's see the statistic. Though that age range has seen usually four movies a year, whereas anyone above it has only seen two to one. Okay, I find that hard to believe. What are you I talking mean, I guess about? It's true, but... Why would these old? Why would these people be going to movie theaters? Like, what? Do your parents go to a ton of movies, or do they wait? Oh for them my to gosh! Come out? Yes, <laughs> my family, like my whole extended family, love going to movies. It's like one of their favorite things to do. What else are they gonna do? I don't. Know. They watch Netflix. Like I don't know. Man. I mean, I feel like old people. They're not going to the bars. Like... They're not going to like brunches with their friends. They're not in oh. sports leagues. They're going to see movies. But either way, I think Nine to Five is such a funny, great movie. It's these three women who work in an office together with their boss, who is, Mm. quote, a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot, which they say (laughs) over and over again, played by Dabney Coleman. And it's sort of about them getting their fantasy of getting to you know show this boss what's what and like how hard they're working and how terrible he is in all of these different ways and it's sort of a i mean it's not like a prank prank movie but it sort of um has that vibe to it lily tomlin is 
a true comedy icon and is hysterical in every single thing that she does. <laughs> there's there's just so many great scenes. The Dolly Parton mm-hmm. 9 to 5 like opening song over the opening number is amazing. Yeah, it's a great song. This movie they're supposedly making a new reboot of it at some point which like that I'm skeptical about how good it will be but <laughs> I feel like this movie's so fun and I and yeah. I feel like it's such a it, like it's your vibe yeah I've heard I mean yeah I know it's like very feminist and girl power and whatever I'm just and it's just funny but, it's so but funny the other follow-up question who's gonna shell out eight to twelve dollars to go see this when you can just watch it on netflix you know it's like what is going to a movie for this have like what does that draw that doesn't even draw our parents audience like it's like there's nothing special or standout or community driven about the comedy you know it's not like a quotable like i don't know i just yeah but it's a good movie (laughs) which i do feel like is part of this we can't just fill up our theater with a bunch of bad movies and hope that people come and laugh at them yeah but it's not a good and we don't have a like an iconic like wow it's a classic the best best of the century oh my gosh yes it definitely is no way the trio of jane fonda (laughs) lily tomlin and dolly parton that is like (sighs) that's why lily tomlin and jane fonda have that show that's out now (laughs) it's because they're friends from this movie yeah and i'm sure people would be like oh wow of look all at the movies on movie, this list that i thought would it. get pushback <laughs> this is not the one that i thought would well i just did not see oh, this movie word. ever coming up as a possibility like if you want to do outside the, the box comedy like if i feel you like wanted there's a lot, me to pick, you know freaking airplane would draw more of an audience than nine to five like and that's just a fact and i haven't even seen look, airplane i could have picked you know i could have sat here and picked Alien and Groundhog Day and, and Terminator yeah. and Indiana Jones and Back <laughs> it to the Future. Been a lot better. But yeah. would that have been an interesting podcast? <laughs> no. And also, this is my theater and I can put whatever the heck I want in okay, it. Okay, but just a final stat for you is that in in 2018, uh, 71% of moviegoers were between the ages of 2 and 49. So just keep that in mind next time you're trying to plan for the future two and 50 for yeah okay so then i mean that makes sense (laughs) that's a larger (laughs) chunk of the demographic i mean are people over 80 going to see movies no like are you joking you just said your dad was old because he was 60 ish okay so it's like what now you're arguing what exactly that that 48 year olds are gonna be like you know what skip Skip the movie theater showing Indiana Jones. Skip the movie theater showing freaking Ben Hur. I'm gonna go watch Nine to Five. I think <laughs> I think my mom would much rather go see Nine to Five than Airplane or Ben Hur. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's yeah, it's too bad. My mom is my this. mom is gonna go see something with like uh, she's gonna be picking something that has Diane Keaton in it. She like that's yeah, the demographic sure. that she's looking 90s, for, and I feel like this a is there moment. Let's do a you know freaking something's gotta give moment, but like nine to five. What itch is that scratching for people? It's scratching the itch for a good movie. That's the itch that it's scratching. <laughs> you got mail, and is a I great will not. Movie. I mean, Sleepless I mean, you've in got Seattle is, is a good yeah. movie. You know, yes, it's like, but 
are they as funny as <laughs> nine yes. to five? I think not. Okay. I mean, that is just, you a- know, you could have picked one of those movies if you wanted to. And instead you picked Twilight and high school yeah. musical. Yeah. Because realistically, I know that the golden spot of film goers are millennials. I did my homework. I did my research. I ran the numbers. I figured out how to make a profit in my opening weekend of movies. So I'm victorious and you have your little artsy little, I don't know, film camp where old people can come and watch Sunset Boulevard or nine to five, you know, take your pick. But when, but when we both die, (laughs) you will be known as a slave to capitalism (laughs) and money. And I'll be known as a purveyor of the arts. And I think that's what's more important. Right next to freaking... Uh, Okay, the Phantom Menace is definitely in the same category as Twilight. Oh, I'm glad you acknowledged that. Because you keep saying it's a great movie and the best of Star Wars. I mean, it is a great movie. (laughs) It is the best of Star Wars. But (laughs) I think culturally, if we're looking at like cultural cachet, Uh it has it. it's definitely at least the equivalent of Twilight. Also, okay. who like Twilight is such a specific audience of people because here's the thing. If you're too much older than us, you're not going to go see Twilight because you didn't go see it the first time because it was too stupid. And if you're too much younger than us, you don't even know what Twilight is. Um, so you're truly banking so on like a false. like. You think Gen X has never heard of Twilight? You don't think that. I mean, Twilight has taken on its own world in our pop culture conversation there's there's the um riff track version of twilight twilight what is are brought these up words even? twilight is what brought is up whenever track? <laughs> you have been you this is what i forget sometimes is that you even admit that your sort of pop culture awakening didn't happen until you were in like what college graduated so like your mid-20s so uh, last okay. month actually okay. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yes but it's like twilight what is, is known and joked it, it was a someone basically rewatched and made fun of the twilight look i went and time. saw all of the twilight movies at midnight when they came out <laughs> so like i had the t-shirts i went with my friends i'm well aware wild. i've read all the books like i know what that moment was like and i'm just not sure if people who are currently like 40 are have that like oh i'm going to go with my friends and make fun of twilight I and i also am not sure that people Okay. Well, like, but what is the window that we're looking for it's then? Like, like 35 20, to like 20 to 35. Friggin I don't think tw- tickets 20, 20 year olds were like seven when that movie came out. They're not still, going to see it for it weird nostalgia. Still, like, no, I'm sure Twilight gets freaking more Google hits per day than like freaking nine to five phantom well, yeah, twilight is a Lamp, franchise liar are you joking like no this has a bigger chance of gathering an audience exactly because you have people who want to make fun of it people who remember it people who remember watching it in college because it was a funny ironic thing to do like i'm the youngest i'm one of second to youngest of six kids and all of my siblings saw twilight at some point in their life so it is hitting that 35 to 30 you know 840 range so i don't know what you want me to say (laughs) yeah i mean i guess the the point is that there's options here and um the 
The real Maybe. issue is that this is <laughs> one theater that we've gone into business with, and you're just stuck with these eight movies yeah. that are showing. And you're you lucky like that you have mine to fund your more like artsy fartsy choices. So you're welcome, I guess. You know, there's the something for everyone. Too. <laughs> Carrying yes, the weight I- of this venture on my shoulders, running the numbers, you know, figuring it out. You know. We'll have to put up a poll or something. <laughs> like who which one of these theaters would you rather go to? Yeah. Um mm. But even the poll results really don't matter. What matters is what I know <laughs> in my heart. Yeah, you're shaking because you know. <laughs> you know. I, I, I went out on more limbs. I made bolder choices. <laughs> I'm more daring. I'm more interesting. <laughs> I'm more fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'll definitely it's run just that if poll. I had wanted to pick the Dark Knight, but I could have <laughs> and you know gotten all the members of Gamma Kappa whatever to come and watch <laughs> it and be excited. But no, I had to you pick Big with... Fat Liar, yeah. a classic edgy artsy film instead. <laughs> whatever. Okay. Yeah, everyone's got something. This episode has gone long <laughs> and has proven that it is possible to do a podcast with somebody for two <laughs> years who truly has no taste and yet yeah. somehow you manage to get along. Thank you. I really appreciate you sympathizing <laughs> with me there. <laughs> Such a nice shout out. Uh, well, we'll be back next week to talk about probably Taylor Swift's new album, <laughs> where I'm Stay sure we'll have winning. lots more yeah. hot takes. <laughs> yeah, and you can find us on social media to answer that poll. Um, we're at PSU Wrong on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, send us your email to tell us just exactly what you think of Matt's curious taste at psurong at gmail.com i mean or what eight movies you would put in your theater <laughs> if you had it because i'd be yeah. interested to see some of these choices and how many of them include twilight <laughs> okay sure well thanks for listening i mean thanks for listening to this episode but also just if you've been sticking yeah. with us for all this time thank you for listening our good old pisses. we are truly s- how dare you <laughs> we cannot have that be a Thing, Shelby, this is embarrassing. This whole episode has been a disaster. I'm going to delete these files so we have to re-record. I'm going to pick new movies. Yeah. You <sighs> okay. Well, see you guys next week. Bye.